Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs, if you would, chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18. Proverbs 3, beginning in 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. They used to say at the end of stories, and maybe fairy tales, when we were growing up, and they lived happily ever after. Are you happy? How would you know if you are? What are the criteria for it? For Americans, it's quite important to be happy. In fact, the preamble of our Constitution says that it's one of our inalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Worldwide, it's been surveyed. Worldwide. The pursuit and the obtainment of happiness is the most important goal or aim of anyone's life. Listen to this. And they were given choices that being happy was more preferable than to know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. That's how important people think happiness really is. The Yale University has been in existence in America for 300 years. And since its inception, there is one class, even till this day, that has been more popular than any others. Any other, not even close. And it's the class on how to be happy. If you put the word happy hour into the internet, you'll get 75 million hits. If you put the word happiness on Google, you'll get 980 million hits. Happy on Amazon will get you over 100,000 books and videos. Needless to say, in our culture, um, we are obsessed with happiness. Um, But here's the crazy thing. Read all the books, the literature, the surveys. We have more gadgets, more technology, more conveniences, more money, better lifestyle, better medicine, better health. I'm talking America than any other time of any other nation and human history. But the survey says that two-thirds of everyone who was surveyed in America said they were completely unhappy. And I thought to myself, how in the world could that be? I mean, how can you live in America and have all those things? I mean, I understand there's going to be some unhappiness anywhere. I mean, but in America, that means two out of every three people that you meet hopefully not here tonight, are very unhappy people. So let me ask you, are you happy? 
Now, Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician, and this is back in the mid, early to mid-1600s. He wrote this phrase, and I put it on the slide there for you to see tonight. I want you to tell me what your thoughts are about what he says. Let me read it. All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, listen to this, even of those who hang themselves. What's he saying about happiness? What's he saying? Well, he's saying what everybody knows, that everybody wants it, everybody's pursuing it, and it's without exception. But he says more than that. What does he say about how we go about it? He would say that everything you did today, everything, and notice what he says, the least step. So when you push the snooze button this morning and you slept in 10 more minutes, why did you do it? Yes, because it made you happy. You slept in 10, you had 10 more minutes of happiness. You slept in. So when you are on a low-carb diet and had a cheesesteak hoagie for lunch, why would you do that? I had a guy, I met, I had a, my neighbor with lunch today, and he told me he was on a low-carb diet, and he sat down and he had a big cheesesteak and a plate of fries. You know what I thought right away? I said, I know why you got that. That stuff makes you happy. And I almost got happy with him, but I had to quote verses. Right? Everything you did today, everything. When someone asks you to do something and you kind of, oh, all right. You grumbled a little bit because that didn't make you happy and you wanted to be. Right? That's what he says. Everything. Everything you do, from the least thing to the largest thing. This, listen to this. This is all comprehensive, isn't it? Every action of every man. So there's not one person in here. He says at the very beginning, without exception. There is no one in here that doesn't do everything they want to do because they want to be happy when they do it. Now, how in the world could he end it with that phrase? How is it that people who commit suicide are killing themselves because they want to be happy? How is that possible? How is it possible? Elaine? Yes, exactly. Because their life is so, in their mind, miserable and painful and hurtful and all the things are going on, that if they stop all the pain and suffering, they'll be happy. They'll be dead, but they'll be happy. Right? So even the things that we think are some of the worst things people could do, the motivation is happy. Now, now listen to me. Everything we do is motivated not necessarily by what would make us happy, but, but what we believe will make us happy. I'm going to say that again. Please hear me. Everything we do is motivated not necessarily by what will make us happy, but what we believe will make us happy. 
And so people do, don't always do the things. There are things that would make people happy, and they don't do them. Instead, they believe something else will do it. So some people buy really, really certain kinds of cars or houses or things like, you know why? Because they believe it will make themselves happy. And that's why everyone says, look at everybody who's a sports celebrity or a Hollywood actor or actress and they're fame and they're popular and they've got money and houses everywhere and all this stuff. And then we hear of numerous people killing themselves, always divorcing and getting, you know, these sports guys who get arrested. I mean, why is it? Because they believe that this will do it for them, this will make them happy. That's what they believe. It won't. It won't really make them happy, but they believe that. So if that's true, and I think it is, we all seek happiness, so here's what we need to figure out, and here's what Proverbs 3, 13 through 18 is going to explain to you tonight, is that we have to figure out what the best object of happiness is. What is the real source of happiness? What is the best and most enduring place that we can find true and lasting happiness? And I would state to you tonight, based on this text, only God's wisdom can properly answer that question. So the problem is not just what kind of happiness, where we're going to get it, but if it'll last. Because there's temporary happiness And there's eternal happiness. Now we're going to learn some things tonight about how to figure all that out. And so I'm going to give just two things tonight in this passage. Proverbs is good at antithetical type thinking. So I'm going to give you one side and I'm going to give you the other one. First of all, let me tell you what the text says about wisdom's source of happiness. The source of it. If you're underlining or drawing or using your pen tonight, or pencil, or do it in your mind at least. Let me show you some things grammatically and make a point. The first word of our text in Hebrew and the last word of our text are identical, and it's the word blessed. It means happy, fortunate. So here's Proverbs. Proverbs says, and remember what we said, the context of Proverbs 1 through 9 is that here's a mentor, a father, talking to, and then here's the phrase, my son, Over and over again, a couple times in chapter 1, chapter 2, we come to chapter 3, it begins, my son, verse 1. It also is later on in verse 11, my son. Third time in verse 21, my son. So it's the idea as a father training his son and giving him wisdom from God about where he should look to find happiness in this world. And can I just stay up front? Please, don't leave it to your, fr- your kids' friends or the television or some book they might read or the school that they go to to define and tell them where to find happiness because they will be greatly disappointed, if not worse. You have to be the person who trains them, and by the way, not by just what you say. And here's where the crux of being a parent is. It's not just what you tell your kids where happiness can be found. It's how you show it to them in your life. They have to see that, hey, my parents says, well, happiness is found in God. But they don't frequent church too much, and they don't serve God too much, and there's not much of sacrifice being done, and they never see you reading your Bible or praying much or witnessing the people where you go with them places. Or See, they, they need to see it. And here's what it says, my son. Now, now in the text, 
Watch what it says. My son. But all of the little, and there are four or five of them. Look at the text. They're called couplets. Verse 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 says, this is the benefit of wisdom. Okay? See verse 14? Here's the main statement. Blessed is the man, verse 13, who, or the one. And by the way, in Hebrew, the word for the one is the word Adam. Adam, and it means man. And you say, well, well, that doesn't matter. It does, watch, because this is, remember, this is a dad telling his son where to find happiness. And what he's going to tell him, which he tells him all throughout the first nine chapters, is that wisdom is a woman. Because what's attractive to a young man is a young woman. And so he puts wisdom personified as a young woman because he says this is where you need to look to this is what you should be attracted to this kind of wisdom not this kind this kind will not give you happiness it will hurt you this kind will and so he uses it in terms that would attract a young man he says this is the this is the girl that you need to be looking for and so he says see the little word four in verse 14 now he's going to tell you if you gain wisdom and you find wisdom and you gain understanding Here's why you should go after God's wisdom and not the world's or anyone else's. He's going to give reasons now. Four introduces those reasons, and they come in little couplets. And before we dig into that, let me tell you what they're about. Notice each time in each couplet, he says, gain from her, verse 14, better than gain from silver, and her profit. Her, 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 and once she, because it's grammatically correct, same word though. So eight times, her, 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 all the way down. Why? Because he wants you to know this is where you should look. This is the kind of wisdom that you want. You should be attracted to this kind of woman. You know as well as I do that they're all Proverbs. There's all kinds of women. And some of them are godly and wise and virtuous. And some of them are anything but that. And he says to know the difference between the two and not treasure them and not want them or desire them or follow them takes a certain kind of wisdom because they won't give you happiness. So here's what he says. My son, go after this woman in your life. This woman will make you happy in the best and truest and lasting sense of it. All right? So we said the first word of our text in verse 13, and the last word says happiness. And now what we'd say this, that framework tells us everything between those verses, those words, is going to tell you how to be happy. And here's what he says. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. That word find is used about eight or nine times in Proverbs. And it doesn't mean find it like you're walking by and all of a sudden, oh, oh I can't believe it. Have you ever done that? I lost that. And there it is. There it is. No, it's not fine like you chanced and happened upon it. It means fine because you're making an aggressive effort to look for it. Because here's how we find wisdom. We have to go hard after it. You go through Proverbs, Psalm 119 especially. There's these words that says, like, you're digging for gold, you're digging for silver, you're, digging for, you're working, it's an effort. You have to find it. It's effort. That's why people don't read their Bibles every day. That's why we don't push our children to do the same. Because you know what? To have the wisdom that we need and the values that go with it so that we can find real happiness and have the wisdom to do it takes a lot of effort. Why? Our title of our series is Wisdom Wars. In this text, there's a boatload of comparisons. Better, I'm going to go over three of them. 
There's two in this text. Better than marks it off. Better than, rather than, more than. Those three, three phrases are all throughout Proverbs. And the idea, here's what it says. Better than gold, better than silver, better than jewels. You, nothing that you could get, nothing compares to it. What's the idea of it? Is that you will make comparisons. You know what your kids do every day when they get up and so do you? When you get up every morning and you say, I'd rather sleep 30 more minutes than get up and be in God's word, you just made a choice based on a comparison. You just said sleeping is better than God's word. I made that choice. And I'd rather do something, hey, when it's summer and it's great, I'd rather be at the beach on Sunday than in God's house. See, I just told my kids that the beach is better than God, if that's the pattern of my life right? So we make choices, he says, and you're going to have to work at it and take that wisdom and put it into place. Why? Because this is a war of wisdom. The world's wisdom says, oh, no, no, this is better, and you should rather have this, and more of this is far better. And the world and everywhere we look is going to tell you that this is wisdom, because this is where you're really going to find the true source of happiness. And God's word says the complete opposite of all of that. So it says, here's the reasons. And, and I put the next slide, I think it is, is um, the Beatitudes. I only put that up there. You can take a snapshot. I can give it to you later. Interesting, 13 times in Proverbs, the word blessed is used. And you should do a study just based on that alone because it'll tell you where true happiness is. And I'm going to tell you this, it's not anything that you might think. It's going to startle you because it's pretty much the opposite of anything the world would tell you about where you find. You're not going to find it in pursuing things for yourself, isolated from others. It's God and others. That's where the real happiness is, and that's what you'll find the wisdom of Proverbs teaching you. But that in itself is a great study. Let's move that next slide over there. Next. All right. Here's the outline, and briefly, we have left tonight. I put these couplets here in a way that I hope that you will remember them. And I want to put them together. So let's take them one at a time. For the gain from her, verse 14, see it? Underline it. First comparative term. Better than gain from silver. Now listen, I got to clear up a myth. It's not that there isn't happiness in in gaining uh, silver or gold. So are you depressed when your job says, your boss says, great job, I'm giving you a $5,000 raise and a big bonus? Oh, that's terrible. No, you don't say that. You come home and say, honey, we can get that car. No, you're happy, but is is it wrong to be happy about that? No. What's the term? It's better than that. It's not that you can't be happy when good things happen to you. No, but what you have to have, what, is, listen to this, a proportional happiness. Right? Proportional. In other words, I'm not happier about that money and that raise than I am about reaching people with the gospel, am I? No, he says, here's what's true. Gold and silver are good. That's gain. It's good. It'll make you happy. But it's temporal. It's not lasting. It's not what you set your hope on. Right? So your money, all that stuff, it may give you a kind of happiness on a certain level. Now, let me give you an example. If you turn tonight, you don't need to, 
But in Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 24 through 26, it talks about when Moses became of age, and we know from history in Acts that it was 40. When he was 40 years old, it says he refused. He made a conscious choice to turn his back on Egypt, even though he had been raised in the palace. It says Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, right? And the Bible says that he what? He went out and attached himself to the people of God and went into the desert and the wilderness and suffered with them instead. He chose bad circumstances, bad life circumstances and situations. Eventually he didn't know the time. People that would try to kill him numerous times that he had delivered. All of that he traded and put the palace behind him. Now you would say, woohoo, that doesn't make much sense. Now I'm going to tell you, Biblical wisdom may not always look like to the average person to make much sense. It wouldn't be to give up a job when you're making six figures to take a different job where you're way down the list from that, right? Or you're very, very popular doing this job and nobody notices you anymore doing this job, right? That would be difficult. You're living in America to have this job. Now I live in Cambodia to have that job. Right? So you, it's a big difference. So why would you choose that? Here's why. Biblical wisdom is tied to a completely countercultural set of values. Completely countercultural. So it's, there's possible that for, for the Christian to be able to say, I know the world says gold and silver, top of the list, for me, down here. It's like you're on a weight scale, and it switches like this. So it says Moses... He turned his back on Egypt. Now, how did he do it? And there's a participle in verse 25, and it says, esteeming, esteeming means putting value on, esteeming the reproach of Christ, listen to this, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Now, did he say there was that the treasures of Egypt weren't great? No, he didn't say they weren't They were great. There's no denying reality. Silver and gold can make you happy. And it's not all that bad, necessarily. Right? But what did he say? That, that being reproached for Christ, being in the desert, persecuted, all that went with it, that was greater than being in the palace. How is that possible? Right? Well, the Bible says that he esteemed reproach of Christ greater riches because he looked to the reward. Because here's what biblical wisdom does. It has the ability to see through the present to the future. See, your kids, and and sometimes us, we can't see past happiness that only comes in the present. So we want relief from our problems now. We want to feel better now. We want life to have all of its worries and fears eradicated now. And we want our relationship and our kids to be godly now. And so we make decisions based on a happiness that we could have, that we can get right now in its fullest extent, or so we think, in the present. And what Moses had the ability to do, and it says this, how did he have it? How did he see it? Next verse says, because he saw him who was invisible. Biblical faith is accompanied by a wisdom that can see what is beyond 
physical eyes and what is beyond the present. And that's why in these couplets that we see that you're going to see outrageously ridiculous value systems expressed in choices because that's what the wisdom of God brings. So it says, verse 14, first reason, for the gain from her is better than, and then again in the next phrase, better than gold. Ready? Verse 15, she is more precious than jewels. And listen to this. Now this is pretty inclusive, right? And nothing you desire, and I circled it, nothing you desire can compare with her. See that? This is a matter of superior versus inferior. So here's what. Sit down with yourself sometimes and your kids and put a list down. What makes me happy? Really, what I believe makes me happy. Not what I like to say because it's the Christian thing to say. What really makes me happy? When I was growing up, my kids would cry. Your kids cried. But... In our house, you had to cry proportionately. So if they said, hey, dad, this is when they're like seven, six or seven, so-and-so wants me to come over and spend the night at their house this Friday night. And I go, oh, no, we can't because we're leaving on vacation Saturday morning. But I'll, I'll just get up early and come back. No, no, we're not doing that. And then I look around, they're on the floor. <laughs> right? Crying like crazy. And I, and I said, and I get up, I said, well, number one, you better get up because that's going to get you spanking fast. <laughs> number two, you can't cry like that. Okay? If I kill over and die tonight, you better cry like that. <laughs> but because you can't go to Johnny's house tonight and stay overnight, no way. You can't, you can't make those equal. You can't cry like that about everything. You know why? It's selfish. You just didn't get your way. Right? So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that she is more precious than jewels. I, I, more, Jesus is better in his wisdom than the Hope Diamond and all the other crazy jewels and things that are out there. And, and listen to this, and nothing, nothing, one more time, nothing can compare to it. Watch, because we make comparisons. Better than, rather than, more than. How many like Android? iPhone. Pepsi? Coke? Eagles? <laughs> Detroit Lions? See, you guys are all wrong about every one of those. No. Well, you, you know why? Because you made a comparison. Right? You make comparisons. That's why you bought the car you did and the color it was and the house where you did and the neighborhood it was and the job you have and what you spend your money on and what you spend your time on and what your priorities and what gets your calendar. You made that priority. You made choices all based on what was superior in your life. The problem is, and one of the ways you can tell whether you're happy with biblical wisdom is when superior things don't become inferior things. That when you prize, so you throw yourself on the ground, you're saying, oh, this is ultimately important to me. No, it isn't. And if it is, you're wrong to have it that way. Get up and stop that. And so God, I don't know if God said tonight, hey, stop it. 
Stop thinking that's superior. That isn't, that's nothing compared to what really matters. And we can get all bent out of shape about stuff, and it doesn't matter to God, it's this big. And he says, you get all bent out of shape about this. What about this? When it really, see, you're, you're upset about this, but you know what? You aren't upset that you haven't witnessed anybody in years. Are you serious that you're talking about that? Right? And here's what he says. Wisdom has the ability to see what is superior compared to what is inferior and bake, bake, make choices based on that. So it says, more precious than jewels, nothing. So now watch. Here's Lady Wisdom, and she's standing there, and so she opens both of her hands. In her right hand is long life. In her left hand is riches and honor. So you know when you have God's blessing in the Old Testament... You had long life in every, Methuselah 9.16, and you had riches and honor. And the Hebrew word for honor is kabod, and it means to be heavy. And it actually can be used of people that were heavy in their weight and how much they weigh physically. But it was used metaphorically to describe kings and people of integrity and had great honor. So honor your parents. Make them heavy. You know what it means? Make them superior. Show how much weight they have in your life, Right? So wives get upset with their husbands when they would rather be with the boys playing ball than them. Right? It's, an, it's a wrong choice. It shows worldly wisdom. Right? And so here's what he says. She opens her hands, and here's what she offers you in her right hand. Long life. You're going to keep yourself from all kinds of things, dangers and problems that could end your life early. Follow my wisdom, because I'm holding that out to you. In my other hand... When you do that, I'm not only going to have you live long, but you're going to be somewhat successful. Successful in the right way because you have my value system. Her ways are ways and her path, are her road, think of it that way, her road is a road of pleasantness. And all of her road or paths are peace. In other words, it's and the word peace, you know it, it's shalom. It doesn't mean just say greeting. It's shalom is the way of wholeness. It means your life is properly balanced. It has everything in it in its right order. What's superior is superior. What's inferior is inferior. God's wisdom gives you the ability, and it says, to walk a smooth road, that you're avoiding a lot of the bumps and the potholes and the obstacles of life, that you don't follow this wisdom, you're going to run into them. It doesn't mean that following God's wisdom will be completely smooth. But it's where you're going to find the peace, the shalom, the wholeness that you would be looking for. And see, some of God's people, we, we go down roads and because of the wisdom that we use to make the decisions. And we find ourselves in economic places and down roads with potholes relationally, economically, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Why? Because we have a pattern of using the wrong type of wisdom, thinking that that wisdom that we choose is going to bring us the happiness that we're looking for. But it won't. It won't. More than that, watch. Last couplet. Verse 18. She's a tree of life. Three times in Proverbs, the word tree of life. Remember in Genesis 3, 6, when Eve looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was forbidden to her. It says, it was desired to make one wise. You see, Satan has wisdom, a whole different set of wisdom with a whole different set of values that go with it. 
But God's wisdom, you know why it makes you truly and lastingly happy? Because it offers the tree of life. Satan's road leads to death. Just like the woman in the Bible and wisdom is prostitute, the woman who has no character, no morality, her road leads to Sheol. But the, this road leads to peace, shalom, and life. Now, now, don't mess the last part of this verse. How does that happen in one's life? And this is where you and I come in, and this is the part where he's almost reduplicating the beginning. Remember he said you have to find wisdom, an aggressive effort on a regular basis. Watch what it says. How do you have this tree of life? It doesn't say by eating of its fruit. What does it say that you got to do? Those who what? Oh, you got to lay hold on it. You got to grab this tree. And this is the only biblical place I could say, see, now you could be a tree hugger. You know what? You got to really hold on to this. This is like I grab onto the tree of life and you're not pulling me away because the idea is there's competing views and value systems and wisdom out there. And you know what they're constantly trying to do to you and your family? Pull you away from that. Pull you away from the life so that you'll start coming over here and, and hold on to death. And that's what it says. See, it's a tree of life. If you lay hold of her, those who, listen, don't just lay hold of her once. Hold her fast. So if you hold on to her, Here's what they're going to call you, happy. They're going to call you happy. So let me boil it down to you in two sentences. The pursuit of happiness is unquestionably tied to the pursuit of biblical wisdom. So if you are not pursuing wisdom, if you are not learning your values about what is superior and inferior from the pages of Scripture, Proverbs 22.1, I almost want to call on Dennis to quote it, a good name what, rather than, see that? A good name, your reputation, what people know you to be, that's better than great riches. In other words, it's better to have a high moral value system to people know you as than to be filthy rich and have no integrity. See, those are value systems. And here's what the Bible says. You want to be happy? You better tie yourself to that kind of wisdom. And if you're not pursuing it, then you will not be happy. You will fall for a pseudo-fake, superficial happiness. And I would close with this. Other phrase is this. Our happiness is as strong and lasting as the things we value most. Our happiness is as strong and lasting as the things we value most. Most. The things that we say are superior over everything else. That's wisdom. That's biblical happiness. So as I close the question I started with, are you happy? The source of it is God's wisdom. The standard of it is his value system over the world's. Is that what marks your happiness in mine? Let's close in prayer. Father, we need your wisdom. James 3 says the wisdom that comes from above. Father, we pray that every day we would see ourselves as people that are totally in need and dependent on your wisdom. That's why we get in the scriptures. 
Not that we can do the religious thing or the Christian duty that we know that we're supposed to do, but because we really believe, we believe that our happiness is tied to it. We want to be blessed in the biblical way. We want to know a kind of happiness that cancer and difficulties and a loss of job and relational struggles cannot touch. May you grant us that happiness because we go hard after you and your word. Please help us to that end, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.